Here's the situation. You find a magical device that allows you to teleport yourself into any movie from the 1980s and take the place of any one character and live that actual movie. Which movie do you choose to go live inside? This is Here's the Situation, a real podcast about hypothetical situations. I'm TJ Jagodowski. I'm Rush Howell. And today's theme is Lady Luck and Uncle Buck. So That's right. So my lead in there, Uncle Buck, 80s yeah. movie, made me think of that. Uh, because what's the iconic scene to you of Uncle Buck? Um, well, I'll tell you this. For a little while, Uncle Buck was, it was, everyone got stuck. Everyone of our age got stuck at some point in their lives where they only had like three movies. Right. Absolutely. Uncle Buck was one of the ones that was mine. Oh, awesome. So I've seen Uncle Buck a ton. Um, it's either when Buck has to go in and, uh, defend, defend Macaulay Culkin's, uh, in the, in the school, like okay. sit there and, or the one image that always sticks in my head is pancakes, no, uh, pancakes, no shovel. Right. Yeah. A- absolutely. To me, like that is the iconic image. You should see the toast. I couldn't even get it through the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, the other part I always remember, I haven't seen it nearly as many times as you is the, uh. Is the questions Macaulay uh-huh. Culkin asking a million questions? But but I yeah. but uh, I'm seared into that image of the uh, flipping the enormous yeah. flapjack, and that is actually what made me think. Like, we'll get to that one later, but it made me think. Oddly about, enough, hey, I- it's the inspiration for my first my first question to you. Uh, excellent. <laughs> so, uh, here's the situation: you are required to enter an eating contest. Well, great. Time is not of huge importance to this. So I I don't want you to have to worry too much about like two minutes going by and shoving. But pure sort of tonnage is you want to put away as much of something as you can. Let's say you're given three or four hours to do it. it. So required to do this, what food would you choose to eat? And I'll ask you a follow up question after that. I love I love this question. So it's really, it's not so much like, I, I just want to make sure I understand it. It's it's not so much um, how, what what is the food I could eat the most pounds of? It is, what is the food that on a relative scale, I would be the best at eating the most of vis-a-vis a potential array of opponents? Correct. Okay. Love it. Oh, boy. Uh, there are, I, I want to make sure. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind to me is, uh, I, I think, I, I mean, I think I can eat like an unlimited number of kind of chewy granola bars. Like, I don't know that there's anybody I know that could eat more chewy granola bars. Like, if I buy a box of those, which I really shouldn't do, mm-hmm. I just eat the box. And and my brother was even maybe better than me. There may be a genetic problem, but we used to get... Like two boxes of those things called kudos. Mm-hmm. Do you ever remember those? They mm-hmm. were very small, but two boxes is still, I believe, twenty four kudos. And I would come home, and, and he would have eaten twenty three of the twenty four on on my mom's grocery day. So that meant he got home at about three thirty on Thursday. I got home about five thirty. He had eaten twenty three kudos, <laughs> and then 
guilt had stepped in every time <laughs> right. to allow him to leave but one kudo <laughs> and then be like, there's still there's still a kudo left. My grandfather was like that. If you give him 100 meatballs, he'd eat 99. Judge, <laughs> just go ahead and finish it. Oh, I don't want to be a pig. Because <laughs> he left one. Yeah. yeah. I was, I'd be so angry and I would tell my mom, don't put him in the closet. <laughs> That's so I- a pretty good choice, by the way, because one thing playing along at home when I did this was some food that wasn't so heavy. Yeah. That you were me like, oh gosh, I'm full. And that's a pretty that's a pretty nice weighted uh, food so that you're not going to get, you know, it's not like eating butter, you know. Yeah. I mean, most of the other ones I would think of originally like or quickly would be like cheese dip. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can out eat almost I mean, I I ate cheese dip all the time as a kid. I've never I've never like had a, a a chip with cheese dip on it and said I don't want another one. Yeah. I've never had that happen in my life. Have you ever had so much that you felt bad? You felt ill? Yeah, sure, okay. sure. I mean, even while I was eating it, I've had times where I was like, ooh. But I've never said like <laughs> I don't want another one. It's only out of like a social concern or, or gluttony, you know, yeah. that, or just that I don't running want out of your running through your stash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course, like <laughs> right. it just being gone it's out, right? But you know, I, I don't. It, similarly, I, I don't think I've ever had a time where I was like, I, you know, I don't want another piece of bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I think other people could do way more bacon than I could. Um, that's gonna. That's also gonna get you in a into a hydration situation yes. at some point too. The salt of that's gonna get on you in a hurry. Yeah, and I, I've seen. I've had a friend of mine, Greg Friedman, who can eat. Uh, I thought I could eat like as a kid. You know, when you're a kid, you think like you're the best mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers player because you haven't met other people yet. Yeah. And now, 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 kids know they're not because of the internet. But we didn't have that when I was a kid. So I was like, I'm really great at Sega Hockey or Mario Kart or whatever. And it wasn't really true. But I, I, I had the same problem where I was like, I think I can eat McDonald's breakfast faster than anybody. And then I met Greg Friedman, <laughs> and he, he, he one time ordered three biscuits, and he was driving. And he, before we, he, we got him, he put the bag in, and he drove. He was driving while this happened. There was like we were in a line a little bit, maybe behind one car, and then we had to get off at like a, a little ramp and get onto the highway. You know, I'd say we covered less than eight hundred feet, and he had finished all three biscuits <laughs> while driving. And I was like, "Well, you got me." That's I, a tough. That's a tough one because I can get gummy on you. Well, he's he has it figured out. I don't know, just enzymes or whatever it is. But but I think uh, those granola bars, I can absolutely hammer those. I think I could eat a lot of mozzarella sticks. There's going to be a lot of cheese related ones, mm-hmm. but but. I think idiosyncratically, uh, I, I think I can keep up with with anybody on the granola bars. Nice. How about you? I a lot of it was the a lot of the, what went in was oh, and in here you can think about this as your follow up oh, question. Yeah. How close is that food to the top of your favorite food list? Ah, because there are things that I love that uh, I love bread, also love cheese, but the thought of trying to get through as much bread as possible became an unpleasant thought, you know, like they're just a really like, oh gosh. So, so part of what went into the thinking is like a properly weighted food that I feel like I could have a lot of and not feel like I want to die. And what I came up with was corn on a cob. Ooh, yeah. I think I can hang with some serious corn eaters and I, uh, if I, you know, if I've had a corn on the cob, I'm, I'm good for another, you know, right. a little salt, little pepper, a little bit of butter. It doesn't take you a ton to like flavor that pretty well yeah. with the with the add-ons. So I think I would go with corn on the cob. And it also felt like that's not something that immediately makes you feel like, 
you know, whatever, dr- super dry mouth or like it's not too sugary. It's not too, um, you know, um, bloaty. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's a good, sweet, salty mix if yeah. you put some salt on it. Yeah. I, it, I, I have to say, I, I remembered another thing. Um, so when I was uh, in college, so my mom used to make uh, us breakfast every morning. And eventually she got kind of tired of it and. Uh, we we would just have like she'd be like you go put in the sausage biscuits and you'd make these little <laughs> sausage like she biscuits. just had like kid fatigue at yeah. that point like. well yeah yeah I mean I think it was it was a combination of factors but uh, but she made these great breakfasts and and my favorite thing was she would make cheese toast and cinnamon toast and the cheese toast was like loaded with cheese and butter and it, I mean I just yeah. loved it and then the cinnamon toast was the same thing that's just I, an, like an open faced grilled cheese yeah that's all it was. And um, <clears throat> I was such like a, a like shit, you know. It was just this like this was bad that I said this, but it, I thought it was funny. I still kind of think it was funny. So I had three friends um, fly in when I was in college, and they were staying with me, and we were going to go to the Masters Golf Tournament, Ooh. which was great. And so we we were going to be in Atlanta for a couple hours on probably f- Thursday night, no Friday night. And then get up very early Saturday morning, drive down to Augusta. It's like three hours from Atlanta. And then uh, and go to the Masters. And we were going to stay in Augusta, whatever the case. I doesn't matter. But the point is, um, my mom was like, what do you want you know, for breakfast? And I was like, cheese toast and uh, cinnamon toast would be great. And she's like, you know, she's a great mom. She's like, happy to do it. And she said, how many pieces of cheese toast do you think you want? And my friends are like very nice. You know, they're like, well, I don't know, one or two. And I said, mom, this can sound weird, but you cannot make enough cheese toast. <laughs> she said, what are you talking about? I said, there's no amount of cheese toast that you make that's going to be enough, let alone too much. And so I go to bed. You know, I didn't even think, <laughs> think one thing of it. And the next day, my mom has decided, like, hey, you know what? Screw you. Let's put it. And there is a ludicrous <laughs> amount, a ludicrous amount of cheese. Forty, I uh, probably okay. two two loaves of bread, probably. Uh. And I ate all of it <laughs> to prove a point. I wanted it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, partly it was to prove a point, but at no point was I like, oh god, oh well, I'm just gonna get one over on my mom here. And and she had this. She did have this like kind of like. Like twinkle right, in her eye. Boy. Yeah, she's like, hey, here you go. You said there couldn't be too much. And I'm like, there isn't. <laughs> and, and my friends ate way more than the one or two that they said that they would. But I probably ate, you know, 25, 30 pieces of cheese toast. Do you ever go face to face? You ever put them together face to basically grilled, didn't grilled have, cheese them? Didn't have time. I was okay. eating them so quick. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, oh, God, they were so good. <laughs> They were so good. Anyway, sorry, I got, I got distracted. But uh, yeah, granola bars. A good question. They are not. I'd say they're in the. They're like you know top ten percent of my favorite foods. But I would never list a granola bar as one of my I hear you. Uh, favorite foods. I mean, I would say like you know cheese, gyros, um, you know I don't know French fries, right? Ha- cheeseburgers, things like that. Um, potatoes are gratin. I yeah. love that. I do love corn on the cob. By the way. I think I'm kind of the same. I think they corn corn on the cob. I do really like it, but it'd probably be in my top fifty or seventy five foods. I don't think it would be, you know, like it's not in the top five or ten or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm granola bar probably more like hundred to two hundred range yeah. for me, but I can eat the heck out of those things. Okay, TJ. Here's the situation. All right. Is it Uncle Buck or Lady Luck? This is a Lady Luck. Okay. And and I'm go. I I have a few of these. Maybe we'll get to some of them. Maybe we won't. 
but they're kind of I want to kind of come at like luck and thinking about luck and risk in different ways. Okay. And so that that's why um some of these things that I had. So here it's kind of a quick one. So uh you run into a uh lavishly wealthy fool, okay? And okay. uh he says to you, um hey, we're going to pick a basketball game that the Golden State Warriors are playing. And we're going to pick a free throw that Steph Curry is going to shoot. So okay. he has no idea that this bet is ongoing. And we're just randomly going to pick one of his free throws. Okay. Steph Curry shoots 90% from the free throw line. And he says, I will bet you any amount of money you want straight up. I say he misses. You say he makes. What percentage of your net worth are you willing to bet that Steph Curry makes that free throw? 15%. Fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, I, I think so. What was interesting to me, like I asked my dad this question, and I didn't do it as a percentage of net worth. And I said, you know, ask ask the question. It was Mark Price back then. This right. Was, this is how long ago I asked. Cleveland Cavalier. Mark Cleveland Price, Cavalier. Yeah. Also a ninety percent free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. They're the two best free throw shooters probably in history. Them and Steve Nash are the best three, I guess. And. Uh, my dad was like a thousand dollars, and I'm like, what, "What are you crazy? Like, you gotta put way more than a thousand dollars." It's it's, and he's like, "Well, you're gambling on it," and I'm like, "Well, no, you're not gambling. It's a ninety ten. He's like, "Well, you could lose." Yeah, and I don't. I'm not willing to lose it. And I'm like, "No, but you. Sh- I mean, the the odds and the you know." And he he just like it could have been. I could have said, "Okay, let's make it ninety nine percent." Right. And how mm-hmm. much are you willing to bet? He'd be like a thousand dollars. Yeah. Like it, there just wasn't it, like there was a a thing for him, which was like I'm just not willing to to take that level of risk on anything. I just don't like the concept of gambling. I, on the other hand, am like much more, you know, probably you're less risk adverse. Yeah, I'm more risk tolerant. And and we should say just that you and I both enjoy a trip to the to the casino yeah. and stuff like that. But I I think I have an odd relationship with risk in the, in that way. I'll. I'll Bring a certain amount that I am content, you know, not content, but that's what I can lose. But for some reason, this scenario made me not want to go whole hog, even though yeah. it is as safe, about as safe as a bet can get. A right. 90%, 90% yeah. hit rate. Would it change at all if it was a uh, a roulette wheel and we said... Um, except unless it hits a zero, a double zero, or um, a one, so basically ninety, mm-hmm. a little over ninety percent. That w- would you still be fifteen percent, or is some part of it like I, I don't I'd like the free be, throw thing, yeah. or just no? I think no. I'd still be about fifteen percent. Yeah, because there's been you know there's been those nights where you're hot and you've hit the one in thirty eight chance. Sure, a, you know a few times or whatever. So. Even that is what, you know, that's less than right. 3%, right? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And it, and it feels, but it, but I, I've seen it come. I've seen it come multiple times. So, like, I think I would. W- what would you go? Would you go, like, 60% or what? Yeah, like 50 60%. Now, I think there's a ton of different factors that go into it. I, I, so I'm just interested as to how people think about those risks, mm-hmm. right? Because um, let, let's say I had a billion dollars, which I do not. Um, I think that 
I probably just wouldn't even care. You know, it's like, well, it's not all that meaningful. I don't want to risk 500 million or maybe I, or maybe I'd be like, what does it matter? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so there, there certainly could be spots where, um, I couldn't put 50% of my net worth down because it would be ruinous yeah. at that time in my life. Yeah. I hear you. Um, and when I had less, I would have risked more. Um, percentage wise. When I, when I was for one single, when I was younger, if I had, if, if I, you know, there's been for a good chunk of my life, I had about $1,200 in the bank. If that, yeah. If you take me back there and you give me a 90% chance, I probably put up 90%. I put it, I put a hundred. If I yeah. had $1,200 in the bank, I'd put a hundred percent of it up because it's so meaningful yeah. to double that up at that time. Or like. Uh, the year before I went to law school, I probably, you know, was trying to get by on $30,000 for the year, Mm -hmm. um, of spending and was making, you know, less than that. And I think that at the time it would have been really, uh, incredibly, it would have been life changing to double. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would have probably taken a 90% chance at that. But I think, like, as I get close to, like, retirement or something, I'd be like, no, no, no. And so my dad was was at that age, and right. part of it was me realizing later, like, yeah, it makes sense that he wouldn't. Now, of course, you, come on, Dad, you got to at least put, like, you know, you got to put up a fair amount. <laughs> you right. can't be like, well, a, 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 a de minimis amount. It'll yeah. be nice to win my $1 <laughs> bet. Um, you know, a thousand's obviously a fair amount of money, no doubt, but I, I think – Again, if I had if I had twelve hundred dollars, you know, I, I'd I'd want to put a bunch of it up. But but again, I you know, I just think it it goes to people. People have just innate differences in risk mm-hmm. tolerance. Yep. And I think part of me is like you know, if you lose it, it I mean it hurts terribly, but you're also like, well, I mean. You, you always got to. You, you can never bet something amount that you're not willing to lose, yeah. even at something ninety percent. And I, I certainly understand that. So at my current stage in life, I feel like, yeah, I could give away half of what I got, and it would be worth it because it would. My life would. Uh, it would be nice to yeah. to add that. But and you got a re- you got a regular job too, like and right now I make my living acting, which is such a roll the dice to begin with that yep. sometimes you don't know when your next job is going to come around. And and I think maybe also if I knew like, oh, this is a job with stability or whatever, I might be willing yeah. to go a little bit higher because I know where, you know, my next paycheck's coming from maybe. Yeah. Like take, here's an example. Let's say you were a tenured college professor and you had recently gotten tenure. You might be willing to put a like fair a amount more because more. you've got a, a very you know, relatively speaking, you're about as safe as you can be yeah. in terms of your future income stream and pension and so forth and so on. Well, I have one for you, Rush, and it all it is also in the lady luck area, and it's a little uh, little on the philosophical side. Great. Um, so here's the situation. Uh, we live 80 years in the future. Most of the world is run by analytics, computers, stuff like that. Science has removed many myths and religions from the everyday world. We are uh, kind of a hard numbers society for the sake of this scenario. Uh, your robot companion turns to you one day and asks you a couple of questions. The first of which is, Rush, does luck exist? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think luck is probably 
one of the most powerful forces in our lives. Um, and I think it's going to exist uh, for my robot companion, just as it will exist uh, for me and, and other humans. I think that uh, one, one book that had a huge impact on me was Fooled by Randomness by uh, Nassim Taleb. And the that book is interesting. I mean, I think it's well-written. I think he's very smart. He's incredibly arrogant, so he's kind of off-putting. And also, I think you can read about 20 pages of that book, and you more or less have read the book. It's not entirely fair, but it, the, the theme is so – it so densely permeates all of the book that I think you get it. And, and, and his theme is basically we all think that luck has a less of an impact on our life than it actually does. We are all fooled by, by randomness, and we think that, you know, all of our successes are due to our, our you know – good attributes and our failures are largely due to luck when the, just the facts are that luck is this incredibly important, uh, you know, concept, whatever force. And I think that what I would tell my robot, uh, companion, and I'm excited that I've got this robot companion. First oh. of all, I'm like, thank God the earth is here 80 yeah. years from now. Cause that's like in some peril at this point in time but you know 80 years and i got a robot companion your robot's a great hang too but yeah the way. Well, i mean this sounds fun and he's a you know like just a good good robot yeah. friend and every once in a while he gets deep on you but you yeah. know a lot of times you just talk about hey, you know fun stuff questions and, yeah. you know and it's like i don't have a kid so mm-hmm. it's like you gotta somebody's gonna yeah. me the tough questions and i i think i would i would try to explain like God, i mean luck just manifests itself in so many different ways you know, I mean, what, one question I was going to ask, and so I'm not going to now because it's close enough on this topic, is, you know, if, if you had to take away all the luck that you had uh, at, before you were born that impacted your, your life versus all the luck you had during your life, which one would you be more willing to give up? And I think that, you know, people, a lot of people don't recognize the just vast, vast, vast chain of incredible luck that got you to um, certain certain spot. But But again, you know. Random number generating in and, in and of itself, right? Like, okay, you know, you got a lottery number and it's going to you know change your life entirely if the one comes up instead of the two through four. And, yeah. And then your robot companion says, what is luck, Rush? Mm. Okay, so you didn't want that long of an answer. No, I, I, no that was fine with me. I, did, I didn't know if you were going to answer that question in the in the first one, so I didn't want to. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's too hard to... Uh, to, to it's just too easy to oversimplify what luck is. But I think luck is um, simply put when uh, forces outside of your control um, lead to events that impact uh, your life in a material way is kind of how I think of luck um, generally. And and this is me saying now, is it basically just randomness in your favor? No, no, both ways. Okay. For sure. So, I mean, you know, you think of, you, you think of, I mean, God, it's, you, you know, it, it just, it's, it's so, it permeates, you know, kind of everything, but like, you know, think about like Warren Buffett and I'm not like casting any aspersions on, on Warren Buffett. I think he probably is like legitimately this incredible investing genius and so forth and so on. But it's also just kind of true that if you have 50 million investors all taking a bunch of chances that 
uh, a probability curve will eventually tell you that someone has to be as successful as Warren Buffett. Someone's going to be Warren Buffett yeah. in a group of investors. Exactly. So a more simple example is if you all if you go and you have a coin flip off with a billion people, the odds say someone's going to flip you know twenty five consecutive heads, even though it's basically impossible to do it. And whoever flips those twenty five heads, this is the seem Talib's point or Taleb's point is. We're all going to be like, that guy's the greatest coin flipper that's mm-hmm. ever lived. He's just amazing at, cl- at flipping the coin. But it's not always the case. And in that example, it's obvious it's not true. That just person happens to be the most fortunate with respect to that. Kind of like then, the monkeys with the typewriters. Yes. It's it's That monkey's not the best playwright. That's the luckiest monkey. Right. Or <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's any career you can go through. If I mean, if you think of anything you've ever accomplished, you can go back and look at so many different things that were where you were where you caught a break or you got a little bit of good fortune to have something happen. Even if you're the most talented, you know, like maybe short of like being a grandmaster in chess. And even if it's like even if you're a grandmaster in chess, right, that's the profession I could pick that would have the least luck associated with it right you're playing a game in which there is virtually zero luck the only luck is you know do you win the flip to see whether you're the white or black pieces at the beginning and even that person to become a grandmaster like like where were you born who were the people that you had a chance to play Mm -hmm. against how did you how were you able to afford the you know otherwise difficult uh, you know, pursuit of, of of following this passion and just focusing on chess. Given a brain well enough to be able to process it and understand it to begin with. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, you didn't have, I mean, this is stupid, but you're getting into tiny probabilities along the way, but you, you didn't have a car wreck mm-hmm. at some point. Right. You didn't have, you know, you didn't get sick when you were six and get a fever that was so bad that your, your brain was impacted you, a little you bit. You weren't near an out of whack uh, nail gun that shot one through your corpus callosum right and so you know when you look at every disease that you can have it's always terrifying because you know you're like well gosh i mean each one of these there's no chance i could get but when you put them all together we start to you know to delve in into real probabilities half the time if i haven't seen a friend in like five years and then see them i'm sort of surprised they're still alive (laughs) given all the things that you yeah can have happened to you oh my god well every time you hear about like some kind of off the wall um tragedy or or mm-hmm. goofy accident that occurred almost always the first thing i think about is why does that happen more, more often? often with 8 billion people or 7 yeah. 7 billion plus or i think we talked at. about one like the ice skate every time somebody gets cut in hockey i'm like why oh, doesn't that happen yeah. all the time throat slash left and right you know someone and, flipping over a stick and throwing throwing a skate out and if you go and you read the things about like uh the causes of death you know um because these are usually done in a way where they, they'll show like some some ridiculous thing that looks like it's correlated, but of course it isn't. So it'll be like snake deaths in Africa last year were exactly the same month by month as people in America that died in, in their bed covers. Right. And the reason I always think about that is, is like there's a lot of people a year that just die getting hung up in Strangled their bed covers. In there, right. <laughs> right? So – Anyway, I don't. I got sidetracked, but I would. I would have. I would be happy to talk about luck as much as uh, my robot companion. Your would. robot companion wants to ask you just a couple more. Couple more. Great. Rush, were you lucky or unlucky? Very lucky. Rush, would most people say they were lucky or unlucky? Oh, I think most people would say that they are lucky. I hope that's true. 
I, I don't know, but I, I, I think, I hope, I hope that's true. I think most people would say that they're like kind of unlucky about shit that doesn't really matter. You know, like I'm always whining that I'm unlucky in my like fantasy sports league uh, or that I'm unlucky with in, travel. Yeah. yeah. All, yeah. I'm oh always, my, God, my flight's you know, always when it's delayed. Or... Right. Right. But I think I, th- I, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to, you know, try to put myself in other people's shoes, but I, I do think that I, I love to believe that most people, even if most people aren't happy, and I, I I hope and believe that most people are happy, I think that most people are at least optimistic. Certainly, in my lifetime, I, I it stands out to me when someone is like a true, like a true pessimist who really is like an Eeyore and just everything is, they just can't, they've never caught a break and they just hate it, hate it all. Most people, even if they're going through rough times or even if they truly believe like, hey, I, I got an unfair shake. um. I think they are still optimists at heart. And I'll, your robot companion, this one might be the heaviest duty of them, of them all. But actually, one more based on all this. Rush is luck like God. Uh, I don't, I, not, not to my conception of it. I mean, I think luck is, I think most conceptions of God assume that there is a uh, causation between how you behave and what you do and what you get, even if that get is in an afterlife or is, you know, mysterious. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one of the things that I find extraordinarily frustrating um, about, you know, especially really religious people that have gone through really rough stuff tend to tend to either flip hard towards uh, you know, I forsake my, why have you forsaken me? I abandoned my religion or, or they flip very hard to like, Hey, the tougher the test for me, the, the more confident I am that I will be ultimately rewarded by my God. Yeah. And so I, I think to me, luck is like, um, and we have, this is kind of interesting because you and I are familiar with a God of luck, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think that, you know, to me, luck feels very like, um, kind of cold and uh, is uh, robotic, right? Like, like it, it's not. It's just, hey, when is your number your robot up? Com- your robot companion says, "Like me." Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm like luck. Uh, I, I will tell a very. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I will. Which is, um, one time I, I represented, and it was a very fascinating case, and they were great people. But I represented an Indian tribe in a case. And it was it was hard not to occasionally say things like that guy went off the reservation because mm-hmm. we just use it in our language all the time. And of course, I'd be like, oh, my God, well, you certainly shouldn't say it there, you know. Um, and uh, I just had this like bad moment of that with this with this robot where I'm like, probably yeah, really I, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so I've, I've really like that was bad with my robot. You and your robot have, have that kind of relationship. Though. I hope so. you guys are all right. I hope so. <laughs> all right. Good. Uh, well, that was interesting. But I, I love talking about luck. I, I find it fascinating. Uh, and that's going to cut through. Gosh, I had a bunch that were kind of luck related um, <laughs> and discussion about that. <clears throat> so let's do this one. Here's the situation. St. Louis Blues just won the Stanley Cup. Yep. And uh, I guess they won three, four to three. Uh, and... 
they were the worst team in the league or maybe the second worst or the worst at some point in the year and their odds were astronomic to win. And 250 to one. And so one dude bought a $400 ticket yep. at 250 to one. This is a true story. And then um, he went on like ESPN and some other places and kind of bragged about how he had he'd done that. He had the ticket. And it was a hundred thousand dollar ticket. SVP and Stanford Steve will keep you up to date on on all the big bets out yeah, there. Yeah, which I enjoy. Yeah. I have to say, uh, and I Doug, really uh, Doug Kazarian show too. Oh, the, I have. Uh, I think it's I a daily daily wager. Okay, I used to listen to his podcast. I think behind the bets or beyond the bets. I like. I like. Yeah, he he does a great job. To me, that's the biggest value add that they've put on a sports center in a while. Are these like bad beats in the betting stuff mm-hmm. because. I don't love the talking head opinion stuff. Like you take a stance, so I've got to take the opposite mm-hmm. one. And, and you know, we now get our sports scores so quickly that it's really not that helpful to have the highlights like it used to be. So I, I've enjoyed that, um, the betting stuff. But so anyway, this guy, he's, he's got a hundred thousand dollar ticket, right? And if it wins and after, after the fifth game blues are up three, two and he goes on and he kind of brags about um, how I'm not going to hedge. You know, and he says a couple of things. Um, he says, I'm not going to hedge because uh, I'm superstitious. And I think if I hedge, yep. then throw the blues, karmic blues, blues are going to lose. Way. Yep. Blues are going to lose. Uh, he also says, a bunch of friends have called me and talked to me about hedging, but I just think, I, I just think I'm right. And I think mm-hmm. they're going to win. And it, he also then says, I initially got uh, some offers, um, you know, to, just to buy the ticket. Mm-hmm. So he could hedge in a lot of different ways, but one of the things he said, the highest offer I got was just now I got an offer for seventy five thousand dollars, okay, to sell a ticket. He said no. So I have a, a couple questions about all that for yep. you. The first one is, uh, you're in that same spot, three two up, with that ticket. Do you hedge it? No. Okay. Second question: uh, Bruins win game. Six and yep. it's three all, which that did indeed happen. And you're going on the road for game seven Correct. against what many people think was a superior team. Do you hedge that? No. Okay. And this hundred thousand dollars we're talking about. Yeah. So it's you don't have like a full on philosophical re- uh, objection to hedging. I. I would say up until that, I would say I do, but, um, if. If I could add, if I could add what what that what that percentage would have done, then I would have then I would have then I would have done it. Yeah, I, what, what what I'm interested in, and we can. I, I was let me. I, I will tell you, I was in a similar situation in an NCAA in an NCAA pool. It was the Zags and UNC in the in the finals. So it was okay. what three years ago. Yep. Um, and I could have hedged if if I guess it was four. I had UNC to win. And I could have hedged if I if I took the pool, it would have been ten grand on a hundred dollar on a hundred dollar um, sheet. Okay. So it would have been ten grand. I could have hedged. Uh, I did not. UNC won, and I ended up I ended up winning the tournament outright. And got I won the, the, I won the ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I won the pool outright. And UNC was what, like about four or five point favorite. I think so. Yeah. Um, so I've been in that situation and confronted at that time with that situation. It felt like hedging would have thrown some doubt into into the luck wheel at that okay. point. Um, also, I tried to think of it as a hunt. Like if I lose this, 
it was a hundred dollar bet that I lost and not ten thousand dollars that I lost. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of where I was going yeah. was that I was interested where you know, because earlier you're saying, look, I, I just wouldn't risk X amount because mm-hmm. I could lose it. And it, it does feel different, right? Even though it is, I mean, you are losing the money because you have it. It's available yeah. to you. That's what the hedge does. Right. So you could have hedged it at $7,800 if you were this guy. His was 100000 but the odds were a little weak. Whatever. Let's say you could have hedged it at six to $7,000. You you are giving up. You are betting Six thousand yeah. dollars that they'll win because you're going to lose that, and then you'll win, you know, ten if they win. Um, so, and you've already kind of answered the other questions I was going to ask. Which number one? So you you believe that somehow, some way, you could actually affect the outcome of the game based on your des- decision whether to hedge or not hedge. Yep. Despite knowing it's all that's entirely bunk. Right. Yes, I do. I do feel like I doubt it. once I introduce doubt then. Yeah. And is that because of some kind of like mystical thing where you're like, look, there's just something out there or is it or is it the like butterfly, the chaos uh, effect where you say, look, butterfly flapping his wings in Japan, like any weird stuff can happen. I could do that. It could go on ESPN. They could hear it. You know, it goes in the locker room. All of a sudden these people are like, why did he hit? You know? Yeah. I think it feels entirely internal to me. Like I didn't believe and mm-hmm. so whether I even like, I guess, believe the full out that that affects the outcome at all, it's that I introduced it into my brain mix and, and, and I would rather just believe, believe, and then have the story is I also was like, afterwards I could still say I didn't hedge, you know, yeah. win or lose. The story would still <clears throat> be, I didn't back, I didn't back off this damn thing. You know, right. like it's almost it's almost like one of those movie scenarios where you can let it ride, let it ride, let it ride, you know, and like and then like, no, I'm going to stop here. It's like, no, for the story, for the gambler, you either have to have let it ridden the last time and won or lost it all for the for the for the tale. Yeah, it's not a great gambling story if you had it. <laughs> right. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean. I will tell you, you and I, we both love gambling. Yeah. We have very different views on this. Like, I, I, I didn't care who won that series. And then I heard that that guy wasn't going to hedge and was bragging about not hedging. And I was like, I hope the Bruins win the series. <laughs> I just wanted that guy to lose so badly. And uh, I think if he had just done it in the in the solitude, you know, in the, in the quiet of his own home mm-hmm. and made this bold decision, I might have... Uh, a not been angry at him, and B I might have even applauded it. Yeah. But to go on TV and and brag about being wrong, mathematically wrong, drives me absolutely crazy. And and just for for my sake, when when I'm saying the story, it, it it wouldn't have been a story told on ESPN. Right. My story would have been told to you, to my brother, to other people. Oh, you I know, know, like it, it wouldn't have been. That's good to clarify. I I certainly knew that a hundred percent. But uh, yeah, some other people listening might not uh, might have thought otherwise. But yeah, you would. In, in a million years, you would not go on to ESPN no. and say, hey, I got this ticket. It's no. really uh, – what I'm doing is really bold. <laughs> it would have been a gambling story told only to other gamblers. Right, <laughs> right. And now, you know, SVP might try to get you on there, and you might be like, well, he is a gambler. No, I'll talk to you off air. I'd love to talk to him. Right. He right. seems awesome. He and Rosillo too. Right. I think um, for me, like not hedging I, – I, I would certainly hedge in that situation, but um, just because it like – 
I'm very much like, hey, what's the right play? Mm -hmm. I want to try to make the right play. And you could say, well, wait a second, Rush. You like to go gamble, which is the wrong play. (laughs) So you're just saying you pick some right plays that you – or some wrong plays you're willing to tolerate, but others you won't. And I'm like, yep, that's right. I think that's fair. That is true. And I can argue it. I can say it's even rational because I could say there is a economic utility – or I'm sorry, there's a utility, non-economic utility to me being able to go gamble – that it's like a stress release and fun and so forth. And so if I'm playing a game like craps where I'm whatever, you know, giving a one to 2% edge to the casino, depending on how many yo bets I want to throw out there. <laughs> um, I could argue, I could make a reasonable argument that overall that is a, a net benefit to me between the economic utility of I'm going to win, you know, X percent of the time. Plus I'm going to have this fun. Whereas if I'm like, I'm going to play the lottery, uh, you know, it, does, it doesn't work there. But I do. I just think, like, you've, you've already made this great bet. It's gotten up to this huge amount. Um, it would really I, – I, I would hedge it. And then the other thing is I it, – it would just, like I, – I, it would just, like, crush me to go through it all, turn down the $75,000 mm-hmm. – and then lose the hundred, and I I would just feel horrible. I would feel way worse about that than I would feel good about hey having the the great story where I did the incredible <laughs> thing. I also think the main reason I wouldn't hedge that well, there's two. The the probably the number one one is actually like laziness and the difficulty of actually coming up with like a lot of times in these scenarios coming up with the hedge is actually really tough. Yeah, right because. Hey, I have a bracket in the in a in a huge NCAA pool, and we're 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 done with the sweet six. We're done with the sweet sixteen, but we're in the elite eight, and I'm leading, and it's worth a million dollars if I win it. That is a hard mathematical problem to figure out exactly how to hedge because it also assumes like massive liquidity because you're gonna have to go bet like you know seven basketball games, a hundred thousand dollars each or whatever <laughs> to actually make the hedge work. So that's not really practical. So that would stop me from hedging in a lot of spots. This guy didn't have that problem. This the second um, thing that would be difficult is you know e- well I, I guess that's kind of really the main thing. But anyway, I was very frustrated with that guy. <laughs> I have a new one for you. And as I describe this, I'm I'm sure you'll remember uh, you'll know whether this is inspired by Uncle Buck or Lady Luck. Great. Here's the situation. You have a facial wart somewhere prominent on uh, on your face, and it's pretty pronounced. Uh, you've decided to have it removed, and you've made an appointment with the only doctor in the U.S. This is the only doctor in the U.S. who will do this. Got it. Um, who, who's even available? It's the only doctor in the United States. Um, you showed up for your appointment day. The doctor sits you down to take you through the procedure. Your head will be immobilized, and the area of the wart will be completely numbed. Once that happens, the wart will be coated in peanut butter and a rat on a platform will be placed next to your Uh face. For the total cost of one quarter, the rat will gnaw that thing off your face. Do you go through with the procedure? Do I have like uh, pain medication or I'm going to feel the pain? It's all numbed. Okay, it's all numbed. The area is completely numbed. Yeah, I do it. I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm okay with that because I think like the doctor can clean it all up afterwards and I'm not going to get some sort of rat disease. No, it's a, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's like a lab, you know, no, clean, I, you know, I, I can live with the, the memory that that happened to me. Gotcha. That, Cause I want to get this huge ward off my sure. face. And, 
Yeah, I'm willing old, to do it. Old Buck Melanoma, Maisie Russell's wart. <laughs> Why don't you That's go down right. in town and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face? Yeah, a great, that was a great line. <laughs> uh, r- real quick one for you. Yeah. Um, you you still play golf or no? I haven't in a while. Okay, so this will be easy. I'll I'll try to do a harder one right after it. But uh, here's the situation. Uh, a fortune teller who you're sure is correct. You're okay. sure is correct. They give you two fortunes. The first one, there's no way it could be true, and it turns out to be true, so you know this fortune teller is legit. The fortune teller says, hey, if you ever make a hole-in-one, you're going to die immediately. Hmm. Would you ever play golf again? No. No chance. No. What about just the par fours? You can't get there. <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, so maybe, anyway, maybe the fours and five. Right. Maybe. I mean, I'm terrible to begin but with. You don't really play golf anymore. Back when you played golf, maybe that's a more interesting question. I'm horrible to begin with. But every once in a while, like out there, you know, out by the lake, there's that 85 yard par three or whatever. Right. Yeah. You're, you're going to be a little nervous when you get to that hole. Mm-hmm. What about, um, she says instead, uh, hey, um, if you ever hit a baseball so clean that it goes 450 feet in the air, you're gonna die immediately. Would you? Uh, would you still be willing to go out and hit baseballs? Right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? Yeah. How confident are you? You'd never hit a ball 450. Uh, at my at my best playing time, I was 17, 17 years old, and I hit a ball. I hit a ball probably four four ten. Okay. Uh, and I think that's as good as I would ever be capable of hitting, and that was with an aluminum bat. Got it. Yeah. So what if this what if this uh, fortune teller lady says, uh, "Hey, you ever hit a baseball four hundred feet in the air? Would you would you still play baseball?" Yeah, yeah. You're willing to get yeah. out there because I I can also make sure I don't hit a fly ball fairly. You know, like I can I can hit a line drive and shit like that. You try not to get well. Yeah. Sometimes when they say just swing for I line swing drives, down at the and, ball. Uh, I'm not gonna hit anything okay. four hundred feet anymore. Uh, All right. I, I, so let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's come back to where we started. Oh, I have one more for oh, you. I'm sorry. It's, a, yeah, it's sure. a really quick one. Sure, absolutely. Um, so here's the situation. This is Lady Luck. You are appointed the Secretary of Concept Gender Assignment. So like there is Lady Luck. Yes. Um, you are presented with a list of concepts and will have to assign either a lady or lord title Great. to these to these concepts or qualities. Got it. Um, and if you don't want to elaborate, you can just say lady or lord. Yep. Vengeance. Lord Vengeance. Agility. Lady agility. Sharpshooting. L- I like the I just like the feel of Lord Sharpshooting. Snacks. Oh, Lord Snacks. Absolutely. U-turns. Lady U-turns. Foreign film. Mm. Lady foreign film? Trivia. I want to be Lord Trivia. Actually, right. I, I actually kind <laughs> of don't. Let me be totally honest on that one, uh, but I, I think like yeah, the the Lord of Trivia sounds good. And I do. I ask this question with full understanding that gender is fluid. Sure. <laughs> well, which which of those uh, that I just gave uh, did you have the most viscerally negative reaction to? Where you were like, no, 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 definitely the other. I one. don't know why. I don't know if it's for like the um, for like uh, Amazons and Annie Oakley. I would have gone lady lady for sharpshooting. Okay. I don't think there's any way you do anything other than Lord for snacks. No chance. I, I think that's the. Lord I think that one's the most lock solid yeah. of of all of them. Given to an open poll amongst human beings anywhere on the earth, I think you're going to get a 92 percent return on Lord snacks. The two I had the most difficulty with, and I would maybe change my answer, uh, would be um, 
uh, U-turn. Yeah, that was a tough. I, I didn't have I think the hardest no, one for me too. No, no real pull on that one. And sharpshooting. Okay. And the only reason uh, there was something kind of alliterative uh, or whatever, consonants or assonants or whatever it is. Uh, no, I like that one. Okay, so now let's come back to where yes. we began, which is uh, here's the situation. You uh, have a magical device that allows you to teleport yourself into. Uh, an actual movie from the 1980s and replace any one character and get to do all the stuff uh, that they do during that movie. And you had a little time to think about it. And yep. I want to say there is one movie that's off limits. Okay. Because my, I, I did a, a brief poll of a few other people, not you. Oh boy. You haven't heard this one. This might be exactly where I'm going. But uh, there were just too many people. And I think it's because I'm in Chicago right now. Oh, they would okay. just say Ferris Bueller's oh, Day no. Off. No. And I and I didn't think you would pick it, but no. I didn't want you to pick it because too many people have picked it. And and this is going to sound odd. This is probably an odd meta question, but um, I only ask because this character ends up in a lot of danger. I know the movie and know how it all turns out. Mm. Or, do, or am I dropped into that situation? I don't think of it that way. Okay. You, it, it's okay if you do. If we want to do it that way, that's fine. In my mind, it was you just get you get put into that and you just kind of live it, and everything's coming at you as a surprise or new, just like it would be to that character. Man, I, I, uh, but it, it's so fair. Many Why of these wh- situations would create anxiety for me, and, and for the character, the height of the character's anxiety. But it's tough for me to go anywhere other than Indiana Jones. Okay. Nice, and when we're doing the Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah, Raiders, yeah. Okay. Um, How do you rank that trilogy, by the way? If you uh, had to do one, three, and two, in what order would? Oh, you put it falls it? into your. It falls into yours. It's a one, three. It's a one, three, two. Good, good, because yeah. I, I, I totally believe that to be true. Yeah, and the again, the Howell theory of movie trilogies is that ninety percent of trilogies are either in order of quality of the movie, either go one, three, two. Meaning the first movie's the best, and the third's the second best, and then the second one, or go two one three. Yep. And that to me is a is a one three two. But there are uh, people that argue three one two. No one argues. Uh, Who? What do they put up for the three one two? What's their what's what's the example of a three one two? No, I'm saying uh, I'm saying specifically they say Indiana Jones is a three one two. Oh, really? The Last Crusade? Is- yeah, correct. Got to be huge Connery fans. Then I think it's I think it's people that are um, thirty seven to forty years old because that was a movie that they saw in the theater and they didn't okay. see the Lost Ark. Because otherwise, I don't think it's a defensible argument. Uh, and maybe it was my age, but seeing I, at the Calvin Theater in Northampton, it was an old timey theater, sconces on the wall, and all of that. Watching Raiders in that theater at the age of maybe twelve. Do you know offhand when Raiders came out? Was it about 83, 82, 83? Uh, I was going to say, um, I, I was going to say it'd be like 81, Okay, but that's probably wrong. So I would have been like 10, 11, 12 years old. Watching that um, was w- maybe the greatest single movie experience of, yeah, my, of awesome. my life. It was so good. So good. Um, yeah. And I was I, so, I, I, it, it scarred me though. I, I was younger a little bit than you and I saw it and it was like kind of a forbidden thing. You know, I didn't see it in the theater, but we got it on tape relative. This was fairly early and even the videotape, you know, concept. And, uh, and I, I loved it. And then the faces melted off and I was just terrified. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hear and it, and I, I couldn't it. watch it again for years, <laughs> for years. What, what did you go for this? Oh, you know, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, 
if I'm allowed to kind of have it all work out, I might want to be in the robot to, in short circuit. I, I want to be back to the, back to the future. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think like that's just like a, a wild ride, uh-huh. just having get, get to do all that. But then it's like I, I was like, well, that's kind of weird because like you go back and you, you got a crush you, on your mom. Well, no, revert. She's got oh, a crush sorry. on you. And, um, <laughs> you know, so the one that I had thought of. I hadn't thought of it the way you did, which is I, I don't I, I know what may come out. Um, but I, I was like, I want to go. And, and again, it's a little weird because it's an 80s movie, but it's set in a different era. Mm-hmm. And that's like I go play for Coach Hackman and, and Hoosiers oh, gotcha. and play on a that basketball. I just think that would be like super, super fun play on this great, famous Indiana State basketball team. And um, but I don't know. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. I th- I think like there's so many th- that would be fun to put yourself into. You may not want to be the kid with like Dennis Weaver as 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 the dad, right? Oh yeah, Dennis Hopper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Dennis Hopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be if you can pick your guy, you know. Right. Again, <laughs> I, look, I think there's much better answers than Hoosiers. I was more just interested in kind of what you would say. I I think a lot of those kind of like John Hughes movies and stuff were be kind of fun. But I also think those people are like sociopaths. Right. Yeah. And I, so you go back you know, and you're Judd Ferris Nelson, Bueller. You might, you, you're probably catching Judd Nelson on his best day in breakfast. Club, right? <laughs> right. That guy could be dead in two years. Oh, probably you know, was. Like, <laughs> probably was animal house, you know, seemed like it would be pretty fun. Uh, was that 80s? Out. Was that in, I think, but I think it was like 79. Oh, okay. Uh, Caddyshack, you know, mm. I mean, there were, there were a ton of movies that seemed like everybody was having a bunch of fun back in those days. I think it would have been a lot of fun to be, uh, in three amigos, but I didn't pick that one because <laughs> I thought, you know, El Guapo, I, I would assume El Guapo was going to get right. me the whole yeah. time. Right. <laughs> and, you know, um, and also I don't love sewing, you know, so that part of it, they really kind of blew through that part, which was a lot yeah. of tough labor. That old like, lady sews like the wind. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like the wind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was all right. That was all right. I think we did okay today. Yeah, very good. Very good. <laughs> um, we have some thanks to hand out. Nate DeFort for producing. Julie Nichols for doing our music. Emily Cardamus did the artwork. If you see us on uh, on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, that's uh, that's Emily's uh, Emily's work. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, but you've, you've probably already found us, so I'm guessing you found us there. Yeah, right? please um, subscribe if you enjoy it. Yeah, and uh, go ahead and rate it if you want to. Um, and we are at our email is here's the situation podcast at gmail please go ahead and write us i'm sure if uh if we stick with this we will do um an episode or two or who knows how many um on your guys situations uh i think that would be that would be a blast so anything else rush that's it all right thank you very much hope to talk to you next time